This is MJ. I'm an author. I'm an artist. I'm an analyzer. You can find all my work at MJMunoz.com. Welcome to my fully operational Star Wars analysis. This is my brief discussion of Ahsoka Episode 8. I... Well, anyway, it was written... It's entitled, uh, The Jedi... It sounds like the line that's in the room. Uh, the Jedi, the Witch, and the Whore Lord. And the reason uh, it's called that is because that's what it contains. And I guess Filoni's trying to be literary with these titles. Like Anyway, which is kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, that was uh, the name of the episode. Rick Fumiyaka? Fukuyama? I, it feels like it should be Fukuyama, but I think it's Fumiyaki. Or Yak Fumiyaka. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, it matters, but, you know, I don't have to get everything 100% exactly right. But anyway, he is the director of the episode. This was a very action-packed episode. I can't remember if he directed episode... Episode? Episode 8 of The Mandalorian. I feel like he definitely did. And, uh, you know, I could, you know, you could say they're similarly climactic. Was it episode 8 or episode 10? I don't remember. Anyway, you could say that they're similarly climactic and there are parallels. But, uh, anyway... That's, um, that's, you know, who did it, and it came out on this last Tuesday, whatever that was, uh, I guess the 3rd of October. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. Uh, we had the Night Troopers, you know, we had it fully understood or displayed why they were called the Night Troopers. Like the Night Sisters, they were able to be resurrected and have their reanimated corpses continue fighting. I found it odd that the Night Troopers were, like, growling, and, um zombie-like, and I'm unclear if the, like, if they were forever trapped down below, and if the second wave of, you know, night trooper guys that were attacking, uh, as Ezra was getting onto the ship, and, uh, you know, Ahsoka was fighting with Morgan Elsbeth, I don't know if those guys were, you know, reanimated corpses, or if they were just some of Thrawn's other troops who he had left behind, um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, it was a decent ending. It's interesting. It's, you know, it's a victory for the bad guys. It's a, you know, mostly defeat for the good guys. Um, <clears throat> you know, none of them died. It was uh, almost more like, yep, we lost for today, and we're going to wrap things up. You know, Ezra gets to go home. Um, I know his shtick. <laughs> him and Kanan both did a lot of uh, Stormtrooper impersonation, you know, knocking a guy out or killing him and then, you know, stealing his clothes or uh, his armor and then, you know, commandeering ships or whatever. It felt a little odd to me in live action. I don't know, like, in the show, I never questioned. I was like, of course that's what they're going to do. But the, to think that he, you know, swapped into the armor of this night trooper and stole the ship, I mean, I guess he had to wait till he was... I guess he had to pretend he was a stormtrooper until... or night trooper until he got back into the galaxy... Uh, the Star main Star Wars galaxy, so that he could steal the ship and break away. It just seems odd that he would be able to do that. However, it's probably all part of Grand Admiral Thrawn's plan, and it will lead to the ultimate downfall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire. And, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of a silly detail, or a silly thing to think about that. You know, Ezra got away, which is like, oh, it's cool, it's a victory. And then I could see Thrawn saying, yes, this is my plan all along. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't, overall, like, I don't know. Thrawn's, like, the most positive, uh, the most, uh, like, optimistic, um, you know, mid-level manager you can ever imagine. Uh, that's what he feels like to me in, you know, this show. Like, oh, uh, okay, I'm just gonna roll with it, you know, we're okay. Uh, we're gonna discuss this with HR later, but, um, yeah, for now, let's call this a win, and let's just keep moving forward, guys. Don't worry. 
and uh, you know, so and so, they're going to have to part ways with us, but that's okay. You know, Morgan, she did a great job. We appreciate everything Morgan did. We wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be getting this success without everything that Morgan did. And uh, let's all give her, a, you know, big round of applause. And who wants some cake? I'm, I'm going to have some donuts brought in, guys, tomorrow to celebrate because we all did good work. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, it just feels, I don't know, it, just, it feels really weird. It feels like he takes losses and reframes them as victories. And, like, that's his, like, that's his greatest strength or his greatest power. And that just seems kind of odd to me. Uh, I like the lightsaber fight between Ahsoka and um, Lil Talzin. Um, and uh, I thought it was really cool. I didn't like how the blade looked. Like, I, I mean, it looked okay. Um, but I feel like when Mother tells him he's using it, it was more ephemeral, more ghostly, more spectral, and I almost wonder if they, like, pulled back. You know, I know they brought the Darksaber from, uh, it was in Clone Wars? Yeah, from Clone Wars and Rebels, uh, into live action, you know, Moff Gideon had it and such. Um, I didn't watch season three of, <coughs> Mandalorian yet, so I couldn't speak of it in there, but it looked really cool, um, and then, you know, bringing this one to life was, you know, interesting. Um... I don't know, I'm, I'm, it's a very interesting, I don't know, I don't know, it's not super interesting, like, I enjoyed watching it because I'm familiar with these characters and I want to see, you know, more adventures and their story moving forward, um, I'm at the midpoint, so I need to start wrapping up now, like, you know, Sabine was able to use the light, I don't know, like, once she was able to call the lightsaber herself to kill that last night trooper, um, that was in the special black and red armor, um, she... I guess doesn't have any problem uh, using it, um, using the Force now. Uh, like, it had to break open for her or something, I guess, because then she was able to push Ezra, like, you know, ridiculously far. Um, that felt, I don't know, that felt like an odd moment, like, and I can understand Ezra's hesitation, like, girl, you just barely learned to pull lightsaber to yourself. Now you're going to push me, like, you know, 80 feet or whatever? <laughs> like, it was crazy. Um, and that jump looked like it was like a, I don't know, like almost like a 100, 200 foot, 3 foot jump. Um, and maybe it was just the framing of it, but, like, I don't know, they're not supposed to be able to jump that far, right? <laughs> like, I would, uh, I would support, you know, teleportation better, or, I don't know, like, yeah, the, I don't know, it was a little bit too far of a jump for me, um, you know, I accepted or whatever, but I'm glad she wasn't able to make it, because that really would not have made any sense, um, so, and I thought the, the framing of that, the way that was cut, to make it a surprise that Sabine was still there with Ahsoka and to help her out, that was cool, that was very well done, and, um, it was kind of sweet, uh, you know, Ahsoka had, like, abandoned her previously, and Sabine had been a jerk, especially in that first episode, such a jerk, like, you know, cutting out on people for that ceremony or whatever, and we get to see, like, a, you know, there's, there's a definite arc in her, um, although I didn't think she needed to be a jerk back then to make this one work, but anyway, regardless, that's, that's how it ha happens, what's going down, and I like that, I like the fact that they're stuck together to some extent, and that Ahsoka says they're right where they need to be, she's being very zen, very Jedi, and, you know, you, you could argue, well, you don't like Thrawn taking these losses and reframing them as victories, and that's exactly what Ahsoka's done, yeah, but she's a Jedi, she's a deeper spiritual person who <clears throat> is supposed to, you know, you're supposed to, that's what Jedi are supposed to do, that's not what warlords are supposed to do necessarily, so, um, I mean, they did have a material victory because they are, back in the you know, they're, they're on Dathomir now, or they're, you know, orbiting Dathomir, and he's got the Great Mothers with them, and all those, you know, Night Sister corpses, or whatever those are things, whatever those things are from the catacombs, um, so, you know, that's, uh, there's a material victory there, but I, 
and, and while I had, you know, yes, there's a victory there. I mocked it a little bit. But, on the other hand, I'm not going to mock that for the heroes because the heroes are supposed to be about more than the material victory. They're supposed to be about the inner journey and the spiritual victory and all that stuff. And that's what they've gotten. Sabine and Ahsoka are together. They, uh, not like that. Okay, guys, calm down. They, you know, like each other. They respect each other. There's the, a good, solid, you know, mother-daughter relationship, sisterly relationship, whatever you want to call it, because of, you know, them being master and Padawan. And they are figuring out how to do life, to make life, to make a life for themselves on this planet where Ezra had done the same thing. So they, you know, there is hope, there is life, there is positivity, and they just have to be open to accepting what happened to them and making it work and doing their best. Um, meanwhile, from like a meta perspective, uh, you know, Shin is there, she goes to be like the bandit queen or whatever, um, and now I'm really getting Willow vibes uh, from some of the stuff in the show. Um, she goes back to be like, you know, the queen of the marauders or whatnot, and... Uh, or maybe to hunt the Jedi, and that could be what season two is about, or not. And then we get to see this, like, you know, glimpse of the pregnant possibilities of this world where uh, we have a statue. Balin is at a statue of the father from Mortis, the son from Mortis, and the daughter from Mortis, but the daughter's head has been broken off. Now, there's this whole thing that you'll see in videos about, you know, spoilers and Easter eggs and whatever, about how there's this connection between the daughter and the um and Ahsoka because of how she brought her back to life and whatever in the Mortis Trilogy and Clone Wars which you should really go see that. Mortis Trilogy it was like three three, four episodes maybe. I think it was three. Anyway, very cool episodes. Season three of uh Clone Wars. Um so I know that's interesting. Um <clears throat> but uh yeah, like what does that mean? Um, you know it's the father, the son and the daughter. And it always made me think, is there a mother? And we've got Mother Talzin. And it made me think, could she have been the mother somehow? You know, how would that have made sense? Made sense? You know, they call these great mothers. And, like, why is the mother, you know, bereft? Why is the mother alone? Why is the mother separate and distinct from her family? You know, what happened? You need a... Um, it would almost make more sense if it was, like, the father, the mother, and the child. You know, either way. You know, a boy or a girl. And... Yeah, that seems to make a lot more sense, but there's this, like, brokenness in the Mortis family, um, and, uh, there's literally brokenness in the statue of the daughter of Mortis. So, like, what does that mean? Does that mean that the daughter has, well, this would be creepy, the daughter, uh, like, ascends and tries to become the mother herself? Um, huh, that's interesting. Anyway, I don't want to get into crazy speculation, and I want to keep this episode uh, short and tidy. So, like, you know, <clears throat> it's Ray Stevens or Ray Stevenson? I can't remember his name. Anyway, so the guy who plays Balin, unfortunately, he died. Um, and he was not supposed to. I mean, whatever. For the purpose of the show, you know, Balin isn't supposed to die. And they're going to have to figure out what to do with this character because he has something that he's working towards. And I don't know, you know, the writer's strike, all that crap. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with the Soka season two. But I think they're going to have to do some adjustments. I, I find it interesting that Shin stayed with him. I almost wonder if it was something recut after he died and they knew that he wasn't there anymore. Um, that, like, maybe he can die pursuing whatever this destiny is, this dream is, this, you know, great ambition is. And maybe... Shin will just have to take over because they have her actor available. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting, and uh, I don't know. Like I'm interested in what's going to happen in the future, but like 
I mean, it wasn't the greatest story, but it was entertaining and it was enjoyable for the most part. There were lots of things I liked, but then again, these were characters I liked. I, I, it's kind of funny, because, like, um, like, one more minute, and then I'm going to cut out of here. Uh, <clears throat> I uh, have an ambition to be a professional uh, writer, <clears throat> like, you know, make a livelihood off my writing. Um, and, you know, $20 million a year. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, I want to write series, and I want to write stories where I have... You know, book series where I have characters having you know long ongoing adventures, and I want there to be character arcs. So I kind of want the, the best of both worlds, where I can structure things so that my characters can have these long arcs, you know, mul- you know multiple books uh, worth of arcs and stories, and you know maybe they come back, maybe there's a generate you know second generation, maybe there's all these different things. So it's like this big sprawling universe of stuff, and. I want to be able to just keep telling stories with them because that's the magic of fiction. You can just keep telling stories with characters and if you like the characters, you'll come back for the stories. And, uh, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, James Bond to see him do, you know, heroic stuff and crazy gadgets and uh, getting all sorts of, you know, weird adventures over and over again in different contexts and it's, you know, exciting because it's fresh and new all the time or whether it's, uh, you know, like the epic of, uh, you know, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit or... uh, I, I, I don't know, I don't have another, I, I've never read, like, The Wheel of Time, and the little bit I saw of it on Amazon, I was not interested, so, um, I can't think of any other long series, but, like, yeah, I just want to keep having adventures with these characters, you know, um, I watched over 100 episodes of Clone Wars, because, while it's not focused primarily on, all, you know, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and, uh, Anakin, Obi-Wan, <coughs> Ahsoka, and, you know, uh, Amidala, like, to the exclusion of everybody else, they are, you know, recurring characters. I mean, you do get to see their stories develop and grow and, and evolve. And, like, I don't know, I just want to spend more time with characters I like. So um, that's what I got out of the show, and that's what I enjoy. And I don't want to criticize it, um, because, like, you know, I appreciate the effort, but it wasn't what I was expecting at all. Um, but it does it op- open us up to, like, you could have a whole, you know, world of media just covering Ahsoka and Sabine living on this abandoned planet in this other galaxy for... Like, years, years worth of writing you could do on that. And that's kind of interesting. But I just don't know what they're going to do and, and how they're going to do that. Especially with, uh, you know, having to take Balin off the board. Or just recast him. Which, you know, there's nothing wrong with recasting somebody. So, anyway. Uh, I liked it overall. Like I said, you know, I had my complaints. But I had my, you know, praises for it. It wasn't, like, amazing. But it's just like, oh, okay. So, that's, it's it's setting a board. It's clearing things. It's, it's putting things in position for another sto- story to happen. And I'm okay with that. Um, I am okay with that, so, uh, with that, I'm gonna go ahead and get out of here, but I'm gonna ask first for you to share your thoughts on, uh, the episode, tell me what you thought of the episode and the series as a whole, and, um, until next time, folks, take care, this is MJ, signing out. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around. You're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.